Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Home Field Apparel. Home Field Apparel is now partnering with the Mazodcast, offering you the best Mizzou gear on the market. All you have to do is enter the promo code Mizzou, and you'll get 20% off your entire purchase. So do it now. Home That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Field Apparel. The best stuff you can get. What's up, dum-dums? As sports keeps coming back, so does your chance to bet on them. With our exclusive wagering partner, BetOnline AG, baseball's back in full swing and there are no shortages of ways to get in the action. BetOnline has all the odds, futures, and props. You'll be a betting son of a bitch. Also tune in as Floyd Money Mayweather joins the BetOnline team in a new segment called The Ice is Right, where he talks about his expansive jewelry collection. My goodness, he'll give you the chance to win some great prizes and bet on all the costs of his bling. Brendan, I didn't know jewelry betting was missing from my life. Yeah. I now know. Now you know. Visit BetOnline AG today to check out all the odds. Don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the welcome back to sports bonuses. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. This is the Mazodcast. Howdy, Tiger fans, and welcome to the Mazodcast. I'm your host, Brendan Anthony. Joining me, as always, is offensive line coach for the Missouri Tigers, Colin Anthony. What's up, dum-dums? Not with us tonight is defensive line coach for the Missouri Tigers, Caleb Bungard. Nope, he's not here. Again. Uh, just like during the game, he no-showed. Jilted lovers. Mm-hmm. That's what we are, Brendan. Jilted lovers. Oh, that's right. It's, it was nice at one time, but uh, anyway... It was uh, it was ugly. I mean, I think we had spent a week just absolutely trolling the hell out of Tennessee in hopes that maybe, maybe, and we knew there wasn't a great chance of this. I mean, Tennessee was ranked. Tennessee mm-hmm. is better than Missouri. We know Missouri's not a great team this year. We were hoping maybe they would pull one out against Tennessee, as they have done many times in the past. 
that didn't come to pass, and uh, we're suffering the consequences for it now. But it was ugly Well, the, re- the result of the Alabama game, I think, gave us reason to hope. There were positive signs in this game, despite the fact that we really didn't play well. It was ugly in a lot of ways. And well, you'll have to elaborate on the positive signs for me, Colin, because, okay. frankly, I didn't see them. I was, okay. I'm, I'm, my takeaway at the end of this game is I did have hope against Alabama. I feel like we were a little Pollyanna, maybe. Sure, we were. Other. We were. But let's, let's, let's go through some good and bad. Let's start with the bad, because I think that's where most Missouri Tiger fans want to be yeah. right now. They want to commiserate. So let's talk about why there's real reasons for concern. First and foremost, the trenches. Mm-hmm. Your football team starts in the trenches, both on your defensive and offensive line. Both units played poorly, especially the defensive line. Now, the offensive line at times did not look bad, but at times they looked awful. Um, they let a lot of pressure through. Some of the running plays, they blocked well. Sometimes they just got washed out by the defensive line. and it was They were very inconsistent, the offensive line. But there were signs of hope. Now, the defensive line just simply was a no-show. Whitesides got in there one time for a sack, but I mean, literally, Missouri for the entire game had two tackles behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah, two in Trajan, 74 plays. I think Trajan Jeffcoat may have gotten the other one, I think, if I recall. Is that right? Maybe maybe Jeffcoat's the one I'm thinking of, not Whitesides. Yeah. Regardless, it's hard to remember because it happens so infrequently. Yeah, I Two was, tackles for a loss you behind know, the line of scrimmage the entire game. The offensive line to me was almost more frustrating, I guess, because it appears to me that the offense that Drinkwitz is building is built around option plays that require heavy-duty offensive line They don't play. really. I mean, and here's what I'm – so there's zone-blocking schemes for offensive lines that where you stretch the defense sideline to sideline. It's something the Houston Texans used to run. And you need a smaller, more athletic offensive linemen. And at the NFL level, people are – drafting players to run their offense. Sometimes I think what Drinkwitz might be doing, he might be doing it just because, listen, I don't have the beef up front to run it between the tackles, so we're going to run this zone-blocking, stretching thing because I've got smaller, maybe more athletic linemen. I don't know what he's thinking. and But that running it sideline to sideline is not working. We can't block it. Well, not only can we not block it, Colin, it was one thing when Alabama meets you at the when you're trying to turn the corner, but Tennessee had no problem catching yeah, us. No, we couldn't turn the corner. And, and the thing is, that's what I guess what really dispirited me is that when we said, like we defended Sean Robinson last week and said, hey, look, the Sean Robinson you see, this is going to be against a war zone of Alabama's defensive line. Tennessee's not that. Well, to get, Tennessee looked like that against us. And Sean Robinson, I mean, besides, he didn't have any success. I mean, his yeah. numbers were, I mean, Oh, bad. They just, they couldn't block it. They couldn't disguise it. We can't do it. We cannot do it. And, but part of me thinks that, you know, the option stuff was more built for Sean Robinson. Yeah. And we don't need to, and I think we've established that he is not the starting quarterback of this, this football team anymore. Yeah. So offensive line, defensive line played poorly. You know, Nick Bolton had 17 tackles. And while you think, wow, that's impressive. Isn't Nick Bolton a good linebacker? No linebacker should get 17 tackles. That means the defensive line was not doing their job. You know what I mean? There's, we didn't have, I, I would like, I should have looked this up for the game. How many tackles did our defensive line have? Because it was virtually none. I mean, they got absolutely annihilated at the line of scrimmage. So there's a big negative. Second negative I got written down that was a very, very apparent is this wide receiver drops, which has been a problem in perpetuity for yeah. this football team. And these kids didn't get recruited because they can't catch footballs. So that was that's always concerning to me because I feel like there's some mental sharpness there that the coaches need to figure out. Do you remember a guy named Brian Goers, Colin? I do. He attended the open scrimmage that Missouri hosted uh, at the beginning of the season before they even started playing. And 
told me, he said, you know, you didn't get to see a lot because they weren't showing you, obviously, when they had an open scrimmage, they weren't showing you what they could do. It was basically a practice. He goes, one thing I did notice was that our receivers dropped a ton of passes with no defense on the field, just in set, you know, just running plays in the open with no defense. They were still dropping passes. Mm -hmm. That was a concern of his before the season started. And unfortunately, it looks like uh, that has come to pass because we, there's nothing more frustrating to watch than good passes fall to the ground because guys do what I could do on the field, which is not catch them. Basilac completion percentage should have been much better. I don't know what it ended up being, but it should have been much better. Well, and And third down drops. I mean, Sean, Sean Robinson in the last two games, both have had tight ends drop Mm -hmm. touchdown passes. You know what I mean? So even his numbers should be better than they are, which is dreadful. Daniel Parker Jr. has looked miserable. All all tight end play has looked miserable. Well, you say that, but we've had two tight ends make some pretty pretty nifty catches. Yeah, and drop passes. No, agreed. But my point is, is that I haven't seen Parker do anything. I haven't seen him make a nifty catch. I've seen him drop a, a touchdown pass. I've seen him whiff on several blocks. I mean, that's my biggest concern for our tight end is not the in the passing game from the aspect of catching the ball. Mm-hmm. Ours is like you cannot trust our tight ends to block. No, like w- when uh, lucky for us, it didn't end up mattering because two plays later, Roundtree actually ran the touchdown in. But they ran a run play at the goal line that Roundtree got chopped off. You know, just as soon as he got past the line of scrimmage, and- we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring. The best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. If you I rewash it, it's because Daniel Parker, I mean, whiffs, doesn't block anyone. And the guy he's supposed to be blocking cuts down Roundtree at the goal line. And you just think that's... That should have been a touchdown. Like that is that is criminal to you can't. I mean, he didn't even put a mitt on him. Mm-hmm. Didn't 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 get a finger on him. Just whiffed, and then it, like say he scores two plays later, so it becomes insignificant. But I certainly saw it. And I certainly remember it, and I saw it all day with our tight ends. 
I'll let you go on with your list, but it, I mean, I'm way down compared to where I was against Alabama because Tennessee, I'll give Tennessee this. I mean, we like to give Tennessee a lot of shit. They're significantly better than a Tennessee we played like two years ago. Sure. No question about that. But they're not great. Mm-hmm. And we just don't, we don't look ready. We look like the team, all the rest of the SEC always tells us we are. You know what I mean? We're at the bottom of the SEC well, right anybody now. anybody can get open if they got much that much time to throw. And yeah. we, they, got, oh they had God. time to throw all day long because our defensive line cannot get any pressure. None. That That's started cool. out from a kid. Go. That's like I said, the biggest problem this team have right now is in the trenches, and it because you can't coach around it. It doesn't matter if Coach Drinkowitz is a great coach. If you guys can't do it in the trenches, then you're gonna have problems all year. You know, like one of the strengths of Kentucky, for instance, is their offensive line. So do you how much confidence do you have that they're not gonna pick us apart just like Tennessee did? Even though we may from a certain standpoint be on the level of Kentucky, maybe even slightly better from a talent aspect. I don't know. But the point is, is it won't matter because if our defensive line can apply no pressure for the entire game, that one unit being better than Missouri's is enough to beat us. And that's what concerns me is our defensive line is MIA and you can't play without a defensive line. Now, having said all that, Brennan, here is the 20,000 foot view why Mizzou fans should be somewhat optimistic. I'm ready to hear this because I need to hear it. Connor Blazak. Incorrect. Bailazak. Incorrect. Incorrect. Basilak. Mm-hmm. Connor Basilak looks good. And he's a redshirt freshman. This means that if he continues to develop and continue to look good, you get him for four years. And the only way you won't get him for four years, Brendan, is if he's so fucking good that he leaves as a junior. Or we get somebody even better. Yes. This is my point. And so he made throws yesterday that, honestly, I don't know that I saw Drew Locke make. Do you know what I mean? He put it in windows. Now, Drew Locke was a fine quarterback. And I'm not saying that Basilak is better than Drew Locke. That is not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that there were the throws he made. The fact that he recovered that muff snap and then made an accurate throw on the run to a wide receiver, that is not easy to do. The throw he made to that tight end, Christensen, no, what the fuck was his name? That 6'6 guy tight end who never catches a pass, where he threw that ball where only he could catch it. The guy, I mean, it was just out of the reach of a Tennessee defender, and they ran upside. It was on third down. It was a hell of a play. It was a hell of a throw. And the fact that he had the confidence to make the throws them up first, first and foremost, impressive. And then he completes it. So I can tell you what Robinson wasn't doing. Everything Robinson decided to even try to throw was an underneath turd. You know, mm-hmm. There was no way he was going down. He was going to press the defense down the field. Tennessee immediately started stacking the line because they knew that this kid was not going to test them vertically. Mm-hmm. And Basilak immediately did. He's got poise and he's got a fucking arm. And he seems to throw accurately. And so that, as a redshirt freshman, there you go. Like, listen, he's going to need a better offensive line. He's going to need a better defensive line to win football games. But if you got a quarterback, you got a pretty good foundational piece for your program. Unlike the Alabama game where Robinson was replaced by Basilak and then they split minutes after mm-hmm. that. Robinson came out after the first quarter in the Tennessee game and never saw the field again. You say that Basilak's our new quarterback. I think that most of the fan base on Twitter would agree with you. Do you think Eli Drinkwitz, who had basically named Sean Robinson the starting quarterback, I mean, we know how how stubborn these head coaches can be. Do you think that he's done with Sean Robinson as a starting QB for Missouri? Do we see I hope so. Basilak starting it's, against LSU it would say next something. Week? It would say something to me about who – uh, Drinkowitz is to, to identify who the better player is and and cut bait. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because there, that is a problem with all coaches at all levels. Is they've got this plan. Pinkle used to be guilty of this as anybody. They'd come in with a plan and were unwilling to change it, regardless of how badly the outcome was come, going. And then, so, 
you know, I think we've seen enough of Sean Robinson and Basilak. It's not that Sean Robinson's a bad football player. I'm not saying that. But we obviously have a better one. Mm-hmm. You know, so sorry. And I'm sure some promises were made to Sean Robinson to get him to take this graduate transfer year and bring it to Missouri. You know what I mean? They were, we were competing against other schools. And they probably told him, you know, you're going to get a spot to start. You know, you're going to be our guy, you know, barring some... Like I said, they probably made some promises. And, well, they, and, and to live up to those promises, they probably have to give him a shot. But at this point, you got your shot. You didn't run with it. Sorry. Grab some bench. I do think that it's unfortunate for Robinson in that the offensive line you were talking about and our tight ends, everybody that he's working with, they're not a good fit for him. You know what I mean? Like he's not getting an opportunity to run the offense that Drink has made up for him because the offense that he's trying just is they sniff it out. Alabama sniffed it out. Tennessee sniffed it out. LSU will sniff it out. Yeah. You know, it, it doesn't work, isn't working, can't work with the guys we have. Maybe it could work. I'm not saying it's a sunbelt offense that won't work here. I'm saying that we don't have the horses in well, the stable, you know, to run To it. run that option, you got to be able to have some athletic offensive linemen because, one, you got to be able to stretch the defensive line, which means you got to engage them, and then you got to run them one way or the other. And as you stretch to the offensive line, these huge holes theoretically open up between the defensive players. You know what I mean? And then you got to shuck a block, you get to the second level, and you find a linebacker to hit in the teeth. And so it's a lot to ask of an offensive lineman to do. He's got to stretch that defensive line and then move to the second level if possible. They can't get off the initial block. You know what I mean? Not only can they not stretch the defensive line, they can't be expected to stretch that defensive line and then try to pick up a fucking guy at the second level. You know what I mean? Like, it's just our offensive line cannot do it. Mm -hmm. And so I understand it's what Sean Robinson would probably do well, and I understand it would be effective, theoretically, but you don't have the tools to do the job. Yeah. You just can't, you can't do it. I know it's what you'd like to do, but you can't. And so give it up. Colin, I saw my first Fire Drinkowitz tweet in really? week, week two. I, I don't know. I don't remember when Barry Odom got hired, when we saw our first Fire <laughs> Barry Odom tweet. Um, I, and the thing about it being a week two tweet, I, don't, I also don't know if it's ironic or not. You know, if somebody th- yeah. being yeah. clever and like, hey, fire the new guy. Or if somebody actually means, hey, I don't like drink, fire him. And it's the second week of the season well, after playing Alabama in a, in a rejuvenated Tennessee. Nothing I saw yesterday made me mad at Drinkowitz. No. What I saw yesterday was a, a team that lacks skill, athleticism. Well, yeah, lacks the beef in, on the, in the trenches to do the job. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, honestly, for Mizzou, it's a throwaway season. It really mm-hmm. is. And th- we talked about three being the over-under on wins. After the Alabama game, I was optimistic that we could win four. I don't know, Colin. I, th- I looked at uh, – I don't think we beat Kentucky. Kentucky's a better team than we are. They're more experienced. Their coach has been there longer. Mm-hmm. All the things that – we're going up against Kentucky, and we're going to lose this game as far as I – not that, not this week, but when we play Kentucky, I don't see that as an automatic win. Mississippi State face-planted this weekend against Arkansas. It gives me a little more hope, but they also beat LSU last week. I don't think that's an automatic win. Honestly, the only automatic win after Arkansas just beat Mississippi State is Vanderbilt. I'm not saying we're going to go winless for 2020, but one win is not, you know what I mean? Like, I'm really in the dumps about it, and I need a shot in the arm about why things could get better, because what I've seen right now, I mean, here's the other thing, Colin. We talked about while we were undermanned against Alabama, we played sound football. I didn't mm-hmm. feel like we played very soundly against Tennessee. I feel like there were a lot of like missed tackles, drops, missed blocks, just a lot of mm-hmm. head fuck-ups yeah. that that's the they it's like sharp. it's like my golf game. I'm a bad golfer anyway. And then when I make bad decisions on top of it and use yeah. the wrong club, it's a disaster. So, you know? No, that's true. And that part of what gave us optimism against Alabama was sharp play. They mm-hmm. were overwhelmed. They were out-talented. 
but that they didn't shoot themselves in the foot and uh, they were they played sharp football they did not look as sharp today you know and like I said to me I've said it on the show before dropping footballs always worries me yeah it, it, it speaks to a mental like again these guys didn't get recruited because they don't catch footballs somebody thought they were so good at catching footballs they wanted to get they gave them, them a free fucking college scholarship. And now suddenly they can't do it. And that speaks to the, a problem between the fucking ears. And the problem between the fucking ears, it needs to be figured out by the coaches. Yeah. How do you get these kids to recognize that they don't need to shit down their legs straight hot dog water style? Hot dog water. When the lights come on. Because when the lights come on, that's when you need them to fuck. You know what I mean? Like, that was one of my biggest problems with Barry Odom is like our team shit the bed on the when the lights came on. You know, they were mm-hmm. obviously mentally not prepared. Oh, yeah. There was when it was the biggest moment where they could actually turn a corner and take a fork in the road and not write their season. That's when they played the worst, actually. Yes. And, you know? and that's what I when I saw Mizzou play well against Alabama. I thought, here's a team that was mentally prepared for the job at hand. They look sharp. The moment never looked too big for them. They never made silly plays. And even today, they didn't. I mean, they just, they didn't play well. They did not play well. But but once they got Sean Robinson out of the game, they looked functional. Do mm-hmm. you know what I mean? They didn't look. They looked like they belonged in a Division One football field. I mean, if if anybody wants to be mad at Coach Drink, it's I'm sure he gave he wanted to give Sean Robinson an honest shake. But goddamn, spotting a team two touchdowns before you decide to play football is a difficult hole to climb out of. And it, it and I'm not saying the the outcome would have been drastically different, but I can't I can't imagine what this game might have looked like. If we had started out with Basilak as the quarterback, do you think that Drink looked at the schedule and said, "Well, we're starting out zero and three this year. I'm going to throw out both my quarterbacks, all my offense, and see what's working. And then week four, when my real season starts, I will know what to do with this team that I've been handed." I think he had an athletic quarterback, and I think we've talked about it on the show before. If you could have an athletic quarterback who can both throw and run at the college level, that's a wonderful thing to have. It's almost a better thing to have. And so I think he wanted to try Sean Robinson because if you can get a mobile quarterback who can run that option and also complete passes, that's a dangerous thing to have at the college level. The NFL, you, you can try to do that, you'll get killed. I mean, mm-hmm. people will destroy your quarterback. You, you can't, they can't hold up to the fucking pounding they'll take in the NFL. But at the college level, having a Tim Tebow who can both throw and run conceivably – that's a dirty thing to have on a fucking football field at the college level. And so I think Drinkowitz knows that, and he wants Sean Robinson to be the quarterback because ultimately a dual-threat quarterback is more dangerous at the college level. But at the end of the day, that's not what Sean Robinson is, and that's not what our offensive line is. And he wanted him to be it, but he wasn't – you know what I mean? Like he's not so stupid that he's going to be like – he's going to stick with it once he knows it doesn't work. Let me ask you one question that has been plaguing me, and I'm, I'm afraid that I may be falling into the trap that a lot of fans do whenever things aren't looking great where they immediately start talking about conditioning and things. Our guys look small. I feel like our team doesn't look as big. Now, granted, we played against Alabama, which is like playing against the, you know, mm-hmm. the the Dallas Cowboys. And Tennessee's not that, but I feel like we're we're kind of a wiry team, you know. They look athletic, they don't look out of shape, but they just look small. And I know that that's something people say when you're losing, but I don't know. I just feel like our guys are small. I haven't noticed that so much necessarily, but I haven't really been paying that much attention. I know that our offensive line, when I when it went back and looked at this game, we were getting manhandled at times. I mean, they were obviously, they were not as strong. Like, what's his name? He's 55 on our offensive line, and I forget his name. He didn't know he, he had a very up and down game as I watched that. I'm like, he, there were times when he was getting thrown around and washed out and pushed to the ground. And then there were times when he was doing what he's supposed to do. And that's what I mean. They just didn't look consistent. They looked overmatched. So maybe you're right. Maybe that it comes down to, but I think that's as much a recruiting thing as like, as far as conditioning or weight room time or whatever, I think that just comes down to recruiting. Well, I, I think we've had a, a serious recruit. I think the end of the fucking Pinkle era was bad for recruiting. I think the entire 
Odom regime was bad for recruiting. And I think Drinkowitz is going to have his first and foremost priority right now is to get some horses in the stable. Uh, because I think he's got a decent scheme. I think he knows how to scheme offense. I think right now he's probably found a quarterback. Now yeah. he can just get some beef around him. And he's got four years with this quarterback conceivably, if he is the quarterback we hope that he is, to make this happen. Not only was Barry Odom clearly a horrible recruiter, but keep in mind, we're also dealing with a team that suffered sanctions mm. unnecessarily to yeah. NCAA, which limited our recruiting. So we're double down and being able to get players and then you throw that into the schedule we've received and it's a with a new coach well, it's you, a bad combo i will and I, I feel justified especially walking away from the barry Odomera for a year here and realizing he was bad at the x's o's he was bad at recruiting mm-hmm. and as I, as always happens i start to hear that out of those press box super friends who would never deign to say that sort of thing meanwhile back with the press box super friends when the coach is actually in the program. But now, a year removed, I'm starting to hear what a bad X's and O guy was, what a fucking bad recruiter was. Like, where was that story? Were we just being crazy reactionary fans? Or were we saying what you were just scared to fucking say a year and a half ago? Well, there is a tendency in the Press Box Super Friends fan club to smooch ass to the head coach for access. Um, and access I think, to what? I, I don't know. Well, I think that's changing. I think the dynamic of the Press Box Super Friends is changing. One is they're going away in a lot of ways. Yeah, the I Press mean, Box Super Friends really is no more. Yeah, they're, they're, the newspapers are dismantling their sports departments. Certainly mm-hmm. the Tribune is just down to a few, ni- whatever 19-year-old kid they can get fresh out of college. Yeah. Now, that's not just, I'm not talking bad about any of the guys at the Tribune. But they're well, they just, do a fine job, but they're, they're kids. They're, they're 22 and they've not seen football very long. You know, it's, it is a different type of reporting when you've got a guy who's been on the beat for 20 years and has known the last three head coaches you know how all this works these guys are brand new to their job you know just like everybody else so that's a different dynamic there they're not going to have the access they're not going to have the friendships they're not going to blah 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 and then also they're just shrinking you know papers are going away the number of people are being sent to games going away Mm -hmm. and so the whole dynamic of how our local press deals with our local team plus the local team doesn't need the press at all anymore they've got twitter you know what i mean like if they want to get information out they don't have to feed it to the newspapers they can just put it out on a press release i'm sure i am sure that if you worked for the newspaper you'd be able to make a compelling argument why they should send you to tennessee to watch this and write a story about it but watching the press box uh, I don't see how that. I mean, I feel like you can write the same story if you say in Missouri and watch it on television. Do you know what I mean? That's well. I think their editors have agreed with you. Well, I know, but that's what I mean. Like, it'd be it'd be hard to argue with the editors. It'd be like, why do you need to be in the stadium? Well, and of course, I think the answer that they would give you is that they want to get they want to put a microphone in front of guys' faces mm-hmm. and stuff. Sure, but after the game, as much as during the game. So yeah. anyway, that's a whole different topic. Yeah. So why don't we take our first break, Colin? We'll get back. We'll uh, go around the horn with the SEC to talk about a lot of the other football going on. Obviously, we're going to have Kansas news for you and more hot football talk m-i-z g-o-u delve into the shadows of the mind with sleeping dogs a gripping murder mystery starring academy award winner russell crowe now available on digital crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Hey guys, we have a new sponsor. Who is it? Well, they're called Manscaped. And oh, I know I know this product. Yeah, they sent us some stuff, didn't they? Yeah, we shaved our sweet salty balls with them. I'll tell you what. 
they have good stuff. I shaved and I found a tattoo I forgot I even had. <laughs> They're the number one men's below the belt grooming company in America. My balls are so soft. <laughs> Who's the governing body who decides this, by the way? I don't know, but I, I believe what they're telling me. Manscaped has redesigned its electric trimmer. It's called the Lawnmower 2, and it has proprietary skin-safe technology, so the trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. It's a zero-turn mower. It gets the job done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's scrote-safe. That's guaranteed. But I can't tell you how many lacerations my ball sack used to have before we got Manscaped. Well, you shouldn't have been using that bullwhip, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. In my defense, it was a rusty lawnmower blade. But either way, I don't have to worry about that anymore. Don't use the same trimmer on your face as you use on your balls. That's day one stuff. Act now and you can get 20% off and free shipping. Just use the code armchair at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the right job. Your balls will thank you. Listening to some listener music. This is a Mizzou student, as a matter of fact. Forrest Wilson from the band Ruby Lane sent us this track. It's called Seven Legged Spider. If you like the music of Ruby Lane, you can look for it on Spotify. They're also on Instagram and Facebook. Their handle is at Ruby Lane 573-R-U-B-Y-L-A-N-E. If you'd like to get your listener music on, send us an email at mazodcast at gmail.com and we'd be happy to try to get it some exposure. Well, we got a lot of voicemails this week, Colin, and I think people were ready to have their voices heard in the mailbag, so we might as well fire it up now. Here's the mail, it never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. All right, here's our first voicemail, and it may seem to be a familiar voice. What's up, you fucking idiots? <laughs> this fucking bullshit is some hot fucking garbage. Hot, hot, garbage. Hot is the fucking hot. It's like I'm watching the fucking Eagles out here. What the fuck, man? Fucking kill me. Go fuck yourselves. Wow, so that's uh, that's our Superfan super Phil. Yeah, and in case you guys don't know, Superfan Phil is also a Philadelphia Eagles fan, so that's the reference out of nowhere for that. Mm-hmm. Also, he loves the F word. And yeah. so, I guess it's God a good point him. to say, uh, you know, turn this off if your kids are listening. <laughs> if you didn't already. Well, if you've listened to the show, you know that. Alright, next one. Yeah, it was about three and a half minutes ago in the first quarter. I'm done with Robinson. I think it's Basil-like time. And I couldn't agree more. we got to rip that option play right out of the playbook. I don't think I've gained yards once this season. Uh, that's a reference to one of our tweets. That this just tear out the fucking option page in the playbook because it ain't working. No. They, they have seen that one coming. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. I'm calling in. It's... 14 to nothing. I'm speechless watching this offense that was supposed to be so creative and make, I don't even know. I'm just at a loss of words. What is Drink's play calling, man? It's 
third and 10 and we're running read option, third and 15, we're throwing it four, four yards down the field to a tight end. I think that's as um, much Sean Robinson as anything underneath. Tennessee, Tennessee's offensive line is just so much better than our defensive line. Man. That's I sure. really, really wanted to win this one. See uh, the Tennessee Cornhuskers sour grapes segment <laughs> on Twitter or whatever. So did we, buddy. So did we. Oh, oh yeah, and Connor Basilak's better than Sean Robinson. I'll probably Analysis. call him later. If we're doing better, I don't know. All right. That guy needs medication, clearly. Yeah, sure. yeah, self-medicate. Liquor will do the trick. Except fucking idiots, me again. This is it. I promise. I drank about eight more beers. Been watching some Bret Hart film. I'm going to come <laughs> eat the living fuck out of the Paul Finebot, that little bitch. <laughs> little bitch-made motherfucker. Anyways, go fuck yourselves. <laughs> Have a good weekend. Go yeah. fuck yourself. Phil's back. It's football season. Yeah, that's right. Is fucking Javon Moore still fucking playing? Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ. Yeah, people f- had some frustrations with our receiving core. Connor Bedazzled Sack is obviously better. Why is he not starting? <laughs> bedazzled Sack. I like it. I like Connor QB1 better. Yeah, that's got a that's ring to it. Yeah. About eight seconds left in the half. Some of this clock management stuff uh, really uh, really giving me Barry Odom flashbacks. I will say, though, like I said last time, Connor Basilak is better. But this is reminding me a lot of uh, Barry Odom football. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. M- maybe we can pull off a comeback in the second half. Probably not. Uh, Tennessee's offensive line is just a lot bigger, uh, more talented, skilled than our uh, defensive line. They're dominating us up front, but, you know, wasn't expecting us to win this game, but probably won't. Oh, yeah, and this play calling all game, I even since Connor's been in, it's been hot garbage. Hot garbage. I didn't have a whole lot of problem with play calling. I just didn't really matter what you play if your offensive line sort of gets pushed around. And, yeah. I mean, We've not seen this offense be able to do anything as yeah. it's drawn up because yeah. it's been under attack mm. constantly by a weak offensive line. So, yeah, I, did, I didn't necessarily – I mean, the, the biggest problems I had with our play calling was with the option plays. when, the, when Basically, anyth- doing anything that was uh, left to right – right to left, going to sideline to sideline, you know, we couldn't, we don't have the speed to turn the corner. Like you, you can't attack the, the outside of the defense. We couldn't do it. I mean, it's, and to their pr- credit, I did, I felt like it stopped at some point. You know what I mean? Like they did, they quit doing it, you know? So yeah. they realized it wasn't working. Non-game related, but that Mizzou show me commercial is pretty damn cool. Just saying, it might be. Well, and when it's a day when you got to compliment the commercials. You know, it's not uh, yeah. not the best day on the field. Yeah. Well, I like I appreciate the uh, the optimism. First half observations. Just like President Trump was debating Chris Wallace and Joe Biden, it seems like <laughs> we're playing against the refs and Tennessee. And Connor Basilak is the starter. Let's be real. Come on, drink. Let's just play him every series. M I Z. Fuck the refs. <laughs> That is analysis. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Man, we look like utter fucking shit today. There's about two minutes left in the third quarter. We just scored our first touchdown of the whole game. But Jesus Christ, Robinson looks like shit. I don't know if it's that. Yeah. They calling. His drink was calling some horrible fucking plays in that first quarter with Robinson, like running a read option on third and 10. Like, what the fuck? Like, what is that? And I, I believe me, I want drink to work out as much as anybody, but you can't be fucking doing that shit for most of the game, calling shitty plays and don't even get into the end. Of-
getting to the end zone until the fucking third quarter with two minutes left. Like, that's just inexcusable. And now Bolton is hurt, and man, I just don't fucking know. I really wanted to beat Tennessee this year. Fuck the Tennessee fans, because they're annoying as shit. <laughs> Probably the worst fans in the SEC if I had to pick them, but shit, man. I'd like to see uh, some more screenplays, draw plays, stuff do, like man. that, I think, though. I hate this team. He's <laughs> still going. Yeah. <laughs> Belly aching about Mizzou. I, I like it. By the way, I just going back to our last caller, I saw some stuff about the refs, the SEC officials. Mm-hmm. And, and not and they that they, did, they didn't make good calls, clearly, but I'm sorry. I'm firmly of the opinion that anytime you're to the point where you're blaming the officials or the moderators, maybe your team's losing. <laughs> you know, like maybe you're just not that good. Well, I think that it's okay to be I – mean, listen, the refs have fucked us before. Obviously, I remember the Georgia game. Where they, I mean, we no, no reason to rehash all the times the refs have fucked us. They are not fucking us any worse than the Big 12 refs did. What you just need to come to the terms with, and I think I have come to terms with over the years, is that college officiating is bad. Mm-hmm. It's just bad. It's not professional. It is – these guys are – I mean, when I say they're just a tick above the guy you watched on Friday night when your kid was playing fucking Friday night football in high school, they are – they're the same guys. Just, they're not going to be great. And if there is going to be a thumb on the scale, it will be towards the team that has a little bit more name recognition. Sure. And, and the zoo ain't that team. You know, people get mad at like the government uh, going, go, go to the DMV and it's a terrible place to go to because it runs inefficiently and they don't care whether you're in a hurry or not. You're like, there's, there's no customer service because they're not trying to turn a profit. There's no consequences for the person at the DMV to do a good, bad, or indifferent job. And that's the way officiating is in all levels. There really is, what is the punishment for doing your job badly? They never get fired. Oh, we're not going to let you do a bowl game? Like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure they wanted to go to that bowl, but when you have a job where there's no consequences, you're going to be bad at it. And that's why the DMV sucks, and that's why officiating sucks. (laughs) SEC officials are DMV employees. (laughs) Worse than Lowe's. Yeah. Well, they don't even exist. You know, I just don't know what to tell you anymore. Today, I lost $50, and (laughs) my will to watch Lizard football anymore. I kind of see where Tennessee fans are coming from. We suck. Bad. <laughs> this guy's in it. He's yeah. in his feelings right now. Yeah. We've all been here. And let me tell you what, they're going to keep watching uh, football. Rebuild here. Yeah, it is a rebuild year. Yeah, and it is. We, it's a dark place to be in. We understand. But guess what? There's there's light at the end of that tunnel. You'll mm-hmm. get through it, bud. Well, yeah, I don't really know what to say, but. You called. I guess the only positives you could pull away from today are. Basilek, obviously. Mm-hmm. I said it last week that we should be starting him over Robinson, and that's you were right. obvious today because Robinson looked like hot garbage shit. today. Mm-hmm. Hot garbage. But, uh, yeah, the offensive line looked like shit. So did mm-hmm. the defensive line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had one sack, and we barely got any pressure the whole game. True enough. And for all the Mizzou fans out there on Twitter, I saw some today calling for drinks heads. Like, shut the fuck up. It's one game during the middle of a pandemic and his first season as a head coach in an all-SEC schedule. And if you're forgetting that Tennessee was actually ranked, they're ranked 21, and you're calling for his head after a loss, you're pretty fucking stupid after that. I agree. I agree. Um, you're talking sense, point. man. Nick Bolton looked pretty good, I guess. And also, the thicker Harrison Mevis. He's got a fat ass. And he's... <laughs> And fucking bomb kicks. He's, He's thick with two C's. Tucker McCann, who couldn't make a 30 yard field goal to save his life. Yeah. Uh, I like talking about our kicker's ass. Uh, yeah. really, thick with two C's. Mm-hmm. I think we might be able to beat Vanderbilt and maybe steal one versus Kentucky. I don't know. Awesome I don't know play has to get better. We can't be having 
basically like running around the pocket and can't get any blocks to save his life. And so is the secondary. The secondary was kind of getting burnt today too. And our run defense is absolutely horrible. Yeah, that's so, our D line. That's our D line. Yeah, the, the, the first person to tackle us running really back in this defense today, is the safeties of the linebackers. So fucking ball fans, they suck dick. That's true. That's true. Suck yeah. my dick. Fuck them. <laughs> We're on board with you. Yeah, every secondary is going to look bad when your quarterback has no pressure all day long. It's like when there are no – it's like we didn't run defensive linemen against mm-hmm. Morantano. Yeah. Of course our secondary is going to struggle. Well, and uh, I think the most important point from that call is that our kicker has a badunkadunk. Yeah, well, so investigate that further. Uh, I want to complain about Barry Odom one last time and <laughs> never say his name again. Uh, remember when awesome. we prided ourselves about defensive line play and then he was around for Yeah, they, they called it D-Line Zoo. Showed up pretty big today, but still a lot of positives with drink and uh, Connor should start the rest of the year. It's a good yeah. point. He dismantled D-Line Zoo. That's what Barry Odom accomplished in his time in Mizzou. He took D-Line Zoo, which was something we were known for, uh-huh. and he dismantled it. It's not a thing anymore. Nope. He yeah. destroyed it. And everybody's praising Barry Odom for fucking their win against Arkansas. It's like, hey, assholes, he had four years to establish, to get his own players and do exactly what he wanted on defense here, and he did a terrible job. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> What's up? It's Carolina Jackpot reaching out to y'all from the upstate of South Kakawaki. Man, what the hell happened to y'all today? Not only was I pulling for y'all to beat those four redneck ball cards, you took me to cover the spread and y'all were my lock, stock, and two smoking tails. Pick of the week on my show. Holy bum. Yeah. All right. On the side, y'all shit out there today. He's yeah. not wrong. I like this guy. Oh, Keep well, calling in. It's going to be a long year for both of us. You betcha. November in the toilet bowl. Yeah. In real Columbia. <laughs> well, I like this. Yeah, South well, Carolina Mizzou fan. Yeah. Welcome to uh, welcome to the show, South Carolina fan. Welcome. And uh, we're sorry. Here's a lesson. Don't ever put your money on this Columbia's Missouri Tigers. <laughs> because while we will sneak up and beat a few people once in a while, you're never going to know when it's coming. Yeah. And you right. certainly can't bet on it. We appreciate you making it your lock stock, toilet bowl, barrel, whatever you want to call it, pick. Yeah. And uh, we hope you tune in again. We'll put you on the air. I don't know. I don't know how bad South Carolina is this year. I mean, Muschamp is garbage, clearly. Hot garbage. Mm-hmm. You should interview him before we play uh, Yeah, we're, we'll have you on South again. South Carolina. Yeah, yeah, give us your number, man. We'll, we'll call you. You give us South Carolina analysis yeah, in our right. midweek show, and then we'll know what <laughs> yeah. to expect against him. So, hey, get in touch with us. And uh, Mizodcast at gmail.com. Give us your number. And uh, you, South Carolina fan, whoever you are, you're going to be our South Carolina analyst. Our intrepid week. reporter. That's South right. Carolina reporter. In the field, in South Carolina, doing God's work. Hey, so I know you guys were pretty high on Sean coming into the season, but obviously Connor looks like he's the superior quarterback. Now, I don't know if there's been any drama caused by the this controversy, if you know. will, or even if you could call that. Sounds like his old lady's uh, but pussy, do you though. think that the team will play better with Connor as the uh, true QB1 now, or do you think there will be some players who kind of want Sean Robinson to get back in there? I know last season there were some players who wanted Sean Robinson to play, even though he obviously couldn't and said he looks better than Kelly in practice. So do you think that that could cause any drama, or do you think it'll help the team? No, I don't think it'll cause drama. I think ultimately kids want to win, and they know which one's playing better. They want the guy who's mm-hmm. playing better. And as long as Connor Blazak doesn't try to fuck the tight end's girlfriend, I think the, I don't think it's going to cause any tension in the locker room. Really. <laughs> no, I think I, those are the kinds of things that cause tension. Yeah, and, and we were high on Sean Robinson, as high as you could be for someone that you'd never seen play football before <laughs> in a Mizzou yeah. Tiger uniform. And even now... Well, he, I think I said, I was like, Basilak 
according to what I'd heard, looked better in practice, though. Yeah, and 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 that was the talk. And Sean Robinson, I think we're seeing exactly what was talked about and what limited time we'd heard about these two quarterbacks. That Robinson has a lot of potential, but he. Uh, it, this is my theory. I was like, they they recruited Robinson. They probably had to make some some overtures of you know you're going to get your spot, your chance to get QB one. Like you are, it's your position to lose, mm-hmm. and he's lost it. I think he's the type of quarterback when he plays against Vanderbilt will look all world. And then mm-hmm. when you go back up against the Alabamas, yeah. you see how very limited, limited he, is. he is as a, as a quarterback. I think that's exactly what we've got there. And Bazelak just has a higher ceiling right mm-hmm. now. Hey, Mazodcast. This is Daniel Locksmith at Silver Dollar City. Nice. Uh, just because I don't like Tennessee doesn't mean I have to respect them. Go fuck yeah. yourself, Tennessee. The only thing good that ever came out of East Tennessee is Dolly Parton's sweet fucking rack. Uh, sure, as uh, Caleb can attest to, I have spanked my meat to that a thousand times, and I'm sure he has too. So, uh, yeah, if anybody's Details. feeling bad, I think we ought to go ahead and round up the boys and burn down Lawrence, Kansas again. What do you say? Hoorah! M-I-Z. <laughs> well, you know, the Dixie Stampede is just down the road from the Silver Dollar City. Yeah. So. I like how he references jacking it and titty meats yeah. all in one one great voicemail. And he wrapped Caleb into that mix, yeah. too. because well, we know Caleb loves titty meats. He does. He's a, he's a connoisseur. <laughs> kind of sad to hear the... Uh, <laughs> kind of sad to hear the outro music there, Colin. Yeah. We had some good voicemails this week, and we yeah. usually do when we have a loss, you God, know? Brilliant. Play Sour Grapes for me. Just play the theme song so we could think of that. Think about what might have been. All right. This is what it would have sounded like had we been able to beat Tennessee. What you got there, Sour Grapes? You got a grip of Sour Grapes. Oh, them Sour Grapes. You brought them Sour Grapes. Sour Grapes, Sour Grapes. You got them Sour Grapes. Oh, Sour Grapes. You brought a grip of Sour Grapes. Oh, now I'll just put that uh, put that song away till 2021. <laughs> That's that would have been so much fun. Uh, it would have been. All right, that'll do it. Not quite as upbeat a show as it was last week after our big no. loss against Alabama. But again, I think I I believe it at this time, and Lord knows I can change this tune. Mm-hmm. Basilak is a good quarterback, and if we can find people for him to throw the ball to, if we can find people to block for him, we might have something here, folks. Mm-hmm. That's 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 the upside or the positive to take away from this. I think we've got something here. Well, and I hope you're right. And I do know that uh, Texas A&M got whooped by Alabama this weekend worse than we did. <laughs> that's right. Why don't we get to something much happier? It's once again time for Kansas News. I always heard there were three kinds of suns in Kansas. Sunshine, sunflowers, sons of bitches. This is Kansas News. Our first story of the day, construction workers in Kansas unearth woolly mammoth tusk. Now, that's an interesting story, I suppose, but I think it's most interesting because of where it's taken place, Colin. In Kansas. It's in Kansas. So that I'm I'm going to take it that this... Uh, Why don't we make this, some assumptions before we read anything? Let's do that. Okay, I'm assuming that right this uh, skeleton is no older than... Than 5,000 years old. I think obvious. Obviously cannot be older than 5,000 years old. I think our Kansas scientists will confirm that. And uh, you call it mammoth. I think uh, our local evangelical leaders here in Kansas would call it a Jesus horse. It's clearly a Jesus horse or a tooth of Satan. (laughs) Yeah, maybe it's the the tooth of a giant hell beast. Yeah, well, outside scientists are saying this is clearly a woolly mammoth. We've seen it literally millions of times. And the Kansas scientists are saying, let's look for the wings. (laughs) 
<laughs> exactly. So that's yeah. what we're dealing with here. A tusk of a woolly mammoth, so-called woolly mammoth, yeah. was found by a construction crew in Kansas. Construction chief Randy Timish told Inside Edition Digital that, because that's where they go to whenever sure. they need to break stories, yeah, yeah. it's called Inside Edition, that his crew was digging a foundation when they spotted something unusual. I go, man, that looks suspicious, he said. I think that's a mammoth tooth. Well, he right on the nose. I mean, it sounds like this construction worker who digs holes, literally someone who digs ditches for a living, mm-hmm. is more qualified than the Kansas scientist who thought it was a Jesus horse. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Is it a tooth or is it a tusk? Because there is a difference. The headline says it's a tusk. The construction worker thought tooth. But, I mean, let's give a Kansas construction worker a break. I don't know that he knows the difference between a tusk and a tooth. And, frankly, the fact that he even identified it as a woolly mammoth it was shocking. So True. Give him his due. Yeah, it turned out to be a large fragment of a mammoth tusk. It was just kind of neat to have that happen, he said. Is there any updates in the story? Like, did, did uh, people with pitchforks come and burn his house down for basically blaspheming the Lord by finding this? Well, uh, it does say that the surrounding community was struck with fear after this had <laughs> happened, and they started t- a series of tent revivals to <laughs> exercise the demons that have buried themselves below their community. Yep, absolutely. Because it is clearly, as we all know, the Kansas know that this is a sign that plague is coming soon. Is there uh, anywhere in the article that suggests how old the sky there isn't in this article, and I think that might be by design because they don't want to <laughs> don't want to stir them up, don't want to start a panic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like uh, whenever Orson Welles had his War of the Worlds radio broadcast yeah. and sent people into a fucking scramble, yeah, sure. I think it was notably the people of Kansas who thought this sounds legit. It's time to set our house on fire. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. It's it was. Uh, there was QAnon. You know, Orson Welles was basically QAnon back then. You know I mean? like it was, <laughs> That's right. Anyway, rubes are susceptible to this stuff. And so yeah. it's gotta, we got to be careful about what we report in Kansas newspapers. Next story. Appeal rejected for Kansas man convicted of stealing from broken Walmart self-checkout. You know, I didn't know if they had self-checkouts at the Kansas Walmarts because, mm-hmm. A, it's a lot for them to figure out. <laughs> it's a lot. You know, plus – there's the law that Kansas has keeping robotics out of their community. Sure. You know sure. I mean? They are, they are scared of robots. They mm-hmm. know that they eat old people's medicine for food. Yeah. I mean, for fuel. For fuel. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, right. yeah. They don't need f- food. They are robots after yeah, sure. all. I don't even know why the scientists make them. <laughs> I don't either. So they do have them apparently. And when they did put them in this Walmart, a Kansas man saw one. And the first thing he thought is, how can I rob that thing? Yeah. Sure. You know, there's a box with money in it. Me want money out. Yeah. And There's always somebody standing there, and that's right in front of the store. I mean, I feel like I'll this is a what. bad plan from start to finish, Brennan. <laughs> I'll tell you what, there's not always somebody standing there. I feel like when I am buying liquor yeah. and need someone to verify that I am over age 21. Yeah. There's nobody there. It's a fucking ghost town. Yeah. I mean, the, in fact- I'll Does Lowe's sp- have employees, by the way? It just makes me think of that. Does Lowe's have employees? I've never been to a Lowe's and actually seen an employee or got help from anyone. At one point, they did, but they certainly <laughs> told them that if anybody asked about how to do something with your home- Tell them to pound sand and walk away. <laughs> this pat answer is, I do not know the answer to that question. <laughs> yeah. you know? uh, certainly, YouTube is more qualified to help sure, you than sure. any Lowe's employee that does or doesn't exist. I yeah. don't know. I've never seen one either, Colin. The mythical Lowe's employee. <laughs> yeah. Do they, do they exist? Just like how Walmart, when they say somebody's got liquor, they're about to check out some liquor. Yeah. You're running the self-checkout. Get fucking lost. Yeah. Get out of there. Did you, did do you see that help. guy approaching the self-checkout with that 12-pack of beer? Mm-hmm. You know, head for the hills. <laughs> Get the fuck out of there now. Dive bomb below yeah. another checkout you line. Barrel roll into an aisle and hide. Actually, the ones around here, what they tell you to do is find another Walmart employee and start a super great conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and you two talk while the customer's like, um, do you mind uh, hitting a button for me? I just need you to hit a simple fucking button. No, you need to talk to your other Walmart employee about absolute fucking bullshit. 
<laughs> That's how Walmarts are run. Yeah, sounds Any, right. Anyway, we haven't read this article yet. The Kansas appeals court has upheld a theft conviction of a man who repeatedly returned to the same Walmart self-checkout machine that was mistakenly spitting out $20 bills instead of ones. Okay, stop the press. Yeah, this guy I, should I, not be convicted of any crime. I take it all back. He's right. Yep. He, he's doing exactly he's right. what he needed to do. If Walmart was spitting $20 bills out at me instead of ones, I would absolutely return to that machine. And I don't know why they're convicting this guy from Walmart having a bad – first of all, Walmart's asking you to work at their store, right? Mm-hmm. Like when you run the self-checkout, you're essentially doing the job of a cashier. And if their own equipment is malfunctioning and giving you $20 bills, you take the $20 well, bills. Well, that's like how if a bank ever makes a mistake in your favor – Mm-hmm. It's like, and they want to like, oh, hold on a minute. Wait a second. I didn't put this money in my account. You did. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. So it ended up, he ended up making an extra $500 from these $20 bills that should have been ones. Uh, the Wichita Eagle reported that a three judge panel rejected the ruling of his appeal, which essentially came down to sometimes things are good, too good to be true. Mm-hmm. Uh, his conviction for theft delivered. By mistake, stems from a January 2019 shopping trip in which he discovered the self-checkout machine at Walmart was giving him extra change. I don't like it. I don't like this at all. I hope it only applies to Kansans and Kansas Walmarts because obviously they have their own set of laws there. Walmart's going to crush this guy into their giant boot. I'm like, fuck you, Walmart. Fix your machines. Yeah, no doubt. If you're spitting out 20s, take them. Agreed. Anarchy. <laughs> for anarchy. Speaking of anarchy, a Lenexa man went down to Branson to go go-karting as a Kansan would do. Sure. I What's mean, a more wholesome activity than going to Branson and What's go-karting? a bigger vacation for somebody in Kansas than to come into the beautiful confines of Missouri, mm-hmm. go down to Branson, which is the only place they understand. Yeah, sure. And ride go-karts. Well, didn't work out so much for this Lenexa, Kansas man who is suing after he was injured while driving a go-kart in the tourist town of Branson. Does it say where you went and saw Yakov Shmirnov at any point? <laughs> I'd like to think. Well, the country. I think I heard that uh, Yakov has retired. Yeah, I think he has. That's sad for mm-hmm. America. You yeah, know what I mean? Sure. Now we'll never know if in Russia, computer mouse drags you. <laughs> yeah. In what a country. <laughs> anyway, Ryan Landy of Lenexa, Kansas, filed a lawsuit Saturday in federal court. It alleges that the operators of the track family fun parks in Branson were negligent in failing to prevent his go-kart crash. Now, this is something where I can be against Kansas Now, hold again. on a second. Yeah. So he, He's bad at driving a go-kart. And it's the go-kart track's fault. That's what it's sounding like to me. Here's how it went down. As Landy was riding with his young son, who was ready to stop after several laps, the lawsuit says Landy was told to pull over to a staging area, where he was then rear-ended by another driver. Okay. The lawsuit then goes on to say there were no employees around to help, because it's apparently like a Lowe's. Yeah. Landy also claims the operators refused to provide medical attention or call an ambulance for Landy, who underwent surgery on his shoulder after the crash. Um, wow, that's a, a more – maybe he got hit pretty good. Apparently, it busted his shoulder up. Yeah. Well, the question remains, like, was it his own wife driving the car that rear-ended him from sure. behind? I mean, is it the go-kart place's fault or is it the person who rear-ended well, this him? This is the problem with our society being this litigious, is that do you like go-karts? Do you like go-kart tracks? Because this is the shit that's going to shut them down. Because at some point, if you're just going to keep – everybody's going to keep suing. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like if you're going to get into a go-kart, you assume some personal responsibility that, you know what? This is not the safest activity in the world. Yeah. You know, none of us are expert go-kart drivers. We're all just rubes getting our go-karts to have a good time. And occasionally, somebody's going to hit somebody else. In fact, if you're like me and my friends, you intentionally try to hurt one another in these go-karts. That's called fun. That's called fun. 
And if we had succeeded in destroying one of our body parts with these go-karts intentionally, it would not be the go-kart track's fault. No, that's that's correct. And I think that if you want to avoid go-kart injuries... Avoid go-karts. Don't get it in an unregulated, unmonitored go-kart track. It's pretty simple. I mean, if you stay out of those circumstances, yeah. you don't get go-kart injuries. Now, I mean, I don't expect to be have to have surgery because I went to a go-kart track, but are you going to place the blame on the 21-year-old college student who's having to work at that track? I mean, <laughs> and like, so he's not, he's smoking weed in the back parking yeah. lot and not watching you get rear-ended. Yeah. What would he have done to stop it? You know what I mean? Was he going to throw his body in, but you know, like, no, no, and like use his body as a barrier between your go-kart and their go-kart and let him crush his innards mm-hmm. to protect your precious shoulder? And what are you going to- What would he have done? What are you going to do? Get money out of the 62-year-old deadbeat dad who runs a go-kart place in Branson? You know what I mean? It's not like they're swimming it's in probably cash. probably actually owned by some inner, you know, so-and-so entertainment properties or whatever. They probably are very lucrative uh, to sue. And that's okay. probably why he's doing it. Yeah. Uh, that, I think bottom of the issue. It's there basically, we go. it's a, it's a, the same as buying a lottery ticket. Cash grab. Mm-hmm. Final story of the day, Colin. And this always makes me happy. Kansas Jayhawks football team went up against number 17 Oklahoma State this weekend. But keep in mind, they were playing at home in Lawrence, Kansas, where they had been undergoing very strict coronavirus attendance rules. From what I hear, at this point in the season, they are, they're level with last year's attendance, mm-hmm. where there weren't coronavirus restrictions sure, on sure. the attendance. We're still at even money. The good news, this is all good for Kansas because all these other teams are losing revenue. Kansas mm-hmm. revenue staying exactly the yep. same as it did before. Did it say if Mike Gundy showed up in a QAnon t-shirt to the game? It is possible. He has that t-shirt. <laughs> We've seen it before. No, that was O-A-N-N or whatever. Potato, potato. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whatever. But I mean, he's a man. He's 40. He's got a mullet. He's ready to play Kansas. And he was because it turns out that uh, even though they were sitting at home in front of tens of fans or no fans. Is it tens of fans or no fans? I don't know. Even though they were playing at home, Kansas lost to Oklahoma State 47 to 7. They lost worse than Missouri. They lost worse than anybody. It was a free win for Oklahoma State, forty-seven to seven. They did get on the board. Good for you, Kansas. It uh, they're sitting at zero and three, Colin. Zero and three. We're at zero and two now, so we're still as bad as we played. Better than Kansas. Yeah, I wonder what's what happens to Kansas. Do they ever write the ship? Is it unwritable? Is it just should they just disband the football team? Which is I'm not being facetious, Brendan. Mm-hmm. I mean, like no. I mean, it would save. I mean, yeah. millions of dollars. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, less miles is magically not the answer, Colin. Yeah, crazy, huh? And the thing about less miles is nobody's expecting him to take them back to an orange bowl anytime soon. But maybe yeah. don't get blown out every week. You know what I mean? Like that's a very low bar. Yeah, don't get blown out every week. Turning our attention to better football, mm-hmm. uh, it's time to look at what our brethren did in the SEC. I mean, we are obviously a long-standing member of the SEC, respected by all, and so it is time once again to go around the horn with the SEC. We we, we break our bread at Waffle House. Our teams are pretty good. We even play some basketball when Jesus says we should. So pour a little bourbon and repeat right after me. Built a church for Saturdays and called it SEC. Jesus loves football. And Colin, of course, we couldn't do this without our good friend, the Paul Feinbot. So would you fire up your robot for us? Yes, sir. Nick Saban, Nick Saban. Paul, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Mizzou Cast Podcast. I listened to the Paul Feinbaum show the Monday uh, after the Alabama game. Like, oh, let's hear what they have to say about Mizzou, Alabama. Nothing. 
<laughs> I mean, they mentioned Alabama several times, but uh, I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot. Like, we're not part of this. Yeah. <laughs> no, even when we play Alabama. Alabama. It's just like it's preseason game for the Chiefs. Sure, you know what I mean? Sure. It doesn't count. It's yeah. not on Paul's radar. You're right about that. So, And he told us last week that he was not going to. Tune into the Missouri game. So yeah. even even though Alabama played, let's get to that Alabama game to start things off. I know Paul will be excited about that. Nick Saban. Nick Saban. They played number thirteen Texas A and M, and I think we talked about number thirteen in the country was way too high for Texas A and M. The world was going to write itself against Alabama this week, and it certainly did. It was in Tuscaloosa. Alabama beat Texas A and M fifty two to twenty four. <laughs> Alabama's a steamroller, and Texas A&M didn't stand a chance, but it is nice. I mean, if I'm looking for bright things after the Tennessee game debacle, the fact that A&M took one worse than we did, that cheers me up a little. I uh, noticed on the uh, Twitters that uh, people are starting to get pretty aggravated with uh, Jimbo Fisher. Yes, sir. And uh, I was like, oh, that's the, that first, that's the first I've seen of that where they're really starting to his – his seat's starting to heat just a little bit. Well, it should. He's done absolutely nothing. You no, might as well true. have Kevin Sumlin there. You know what I mean? They've done absolutely nothing. And lo and behold, Colin, all the Texas A&M hype is complete and total bullshit, just like every mm-hmm. fucking year. You're right about that. All right, let's move on to our next game. Florida took on South Carolina. This is in Gainesville, uh, South Carolina. Lost barely to Tennessee last week. Florida put 50 on Ole Miss the week before. Florida ended up beating South Carolina pretty comfortably 38-24. to Florida looks good. Yeah, they are They are pretty good, and they kind of got some of their defensive uh, woes straightened out against South Carolina. Obviously, they don't have the kind of offense that Ole Miss does this year, but uh, they're rocking and rolling. They're number three in the country now. They're 2-0. and It really is a two-dog fight between the Bulldogs, yeah. Georgia, and Florida It'll Gators. It'll be fun to watch Georgia and Florida. Yeah, so That'll speaking, be a game to watch. Yep, and Georgia then took on number seven, Auburn, and they looked good as well. I mean, off, after losing, here's the thing. People are saying, oh, they lost one of the best offensive line coaches in the country and Sam Pittman to Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Well, who fucking cares? You know yeah. what I mean? He's a crazy person, and uh, all Georgia did was put up 27 after putting up like 37 the week before. Mm-hmm. So they're doing just fine. Defensively, they held number 7 Auburn to just two field goals. 27-6 to six is a very impressive score. And I don't know, Georgia, Florida, do you have a preference of those two? Well, I'm going to pick with, I'm going to stay with Georgia until, until Florida beats them. But Georgia, you know, yeah. offensive line coaches are great. It's great to have a good one. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you need offensive linemen. That's what the most important <laughs> thing is. And it's not yeah. like the offensive linemen left with him. The five-star guys that were playing offensive line are still there. Yeah. Well, and speaking of Arkansas, it was probably the biggest day in Arkansas in the last five years, I'd say, maybe even longer than that, when they took on number 16, Mississippi State. They were in Starkville, Mississippi, where we're going to have to head to later this season, Mm -hmm. and they beat the Bulldogs 21-14. to Barry Odom is a hero in Fayetteville, Arkansas, after holding a ranked opponent to 14 points on their home yeah, field. Hero, I mean, and good on Arkansas. I mean, that is when I, we talk about games you're not supposed to win and getting a big victory and beating a ranked opponent. This is the opportunity that Missouri was given this week. Missouri shit the bed and Arkansas didn't. That's that's right. No, they stepped up to the challenge and who knows? It was week two. So on the road even, you know. We so. don't know what Tennessee is compared to a Mississippi State. Mississippi State just beat LSU though. But so we, we also know-, know that Arkansas may be the worst team, or at least last year, the worst team in the SEC and Mm -hmm. this year they beat Mississippi State who was ranked and maybe overranked but still beat LSU last year and I don't care that LSU is not last year's LSU anytime Mississippi State beats LSU it's a big deal yes when LSU is the reigning national champions that's a bigger deal and then when Arkansas how much better would we feel to be Arkansas right now having won 
Arkansas is on cloud fucking nine right now. Yeah, you know, it wouldn't be great to be them instead of us who had lost to Tennessee. All these games are sort of rolling into each other. We talked about LSU. They played Vanderbilt this weekend. That's that's your get right game for mm-hmm. LSU. They went to Nashville and they beat them easily, forty one to seven. Bathed in their blood. <laughs> Yep, so Vanderbilt was the sacrificial lamb here. LSU mm-hmm. got right. They're now 1-1 one and one on the season. They've dropped to number 20 in the polls after their humiliating loss to Mississippi State. The final other game besides ours in the conference was Ole Miss taking on Kentucky in Kroger Field, named mm-hmm. for a grocery store, as sure. always. Ole Miss won this game 42-41. A couple of reasons I'm happy. A, obviously, it makes my wife happy, which yeah. makes me happy. Two, I bet on this game. Just like Caleb said, I did not like this line. I think yeah. uh, Kentucky was favored by – I took. I got them at six points. I think it was mm-hmm. six and a half. When I, I almost saw. bet this, and I ended up not doing it. Uh, you should have. You should have. I was pretty nervous right up to the end, though, because – Kentucky really had a lot of chances to win this game. Mm-hmm. They got fucked themselves with like some sort of stupid early celebration penalty, penalty yep. and then the real kick to the nuts, the real sort of Andrew Baggett-style thing that happened to Kentucky was in overtime, Kentucky marched right down the field and scored a touchdown immediately and then missed the extra point kick. All Ole Miss had to do was get a touchdown and then simply hit and the simply point. hit a point after attempt, yeah. which they did. 42-41, to 41, Ole Miss wins. Yeah. And Brendan wins, $50. Yeah. Well, you know what? Kickers suck. Uh, it, 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 <laughs> College kickers really suck. Don't put yourself in a position where you have to rely on the kickers. That's what my advice. But I'll tell you what. One upside, Brendan, our kicker looks good. Oh, man. Zoo's kicker looks good. This guy can fucking kick, it would seem. All he does is kick him through the uprights. I mean, I think we had a 50-yarder in yeah. the first half. and uh, plenty, of, plenty of leg. Yeah, he, and it was kind of an awkward-looking kick. I mean, it was sort of a knuckleballer a mm-hmm. little bit. But all it did was go far and straight through the middle. Yeah, you know what, you know what I mean? I'll like, take that. What, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kicker so far has looked good. Been, so, quarterback, kicker. You know yeah, what I mean? I feel these like are these are fine. bright spots. Middle linebacker who's all world. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? The worst part about the middle linebacker is he's going to leave, but the quarterback and the kicker conceivably will be here for a while. Yeah, and uh, as it does always, this show always cheers me up, Colin. And there is another thing that is a bright spot that Missouri fans have to look forward to after next weekend the schedule only gets easier yeah <laughs> I mean it's not an easy schedule we no, still got it, the Georgias yeah, and Floridas in the world lightens. but we also get the Vanderbilts mm. well I think this week will be a good test for for Drinkwitz let's see how they respond do they continue to play sloppy uninspired football or do they right the ship and Tighten come back up. sharp well and I think it's gonna it's got to help that if Drinkwitz has decided like, and I think that he has based on what we saw, you know, they pulled Sean Robinson out and he never saw the field again. Like, okay, it's time to get serious. Bazelak's our quarterback. Now the game plan's built around Bazelak. No more fucking stretch runs. No more uh, option plays. All that gets thrown out. We're just going to, we're going to run the offense. It's going to be based around Bazelak, what he does well. We're going to start scheming that. You know what I mean? Like Mm. there is a benefit to knowing what you are and plan for it. And at some point, especially with a new coach and new quarterbacks in the middle of a fucking pandemic with very little practice, it takes some time to figure out what you are. And once you know what you are, or at least what you want to be, it's a whole lot easier to execute that. And I think that my hope is, is that knowing who your quarterback is and being able to scheme for that quarterback is going to help us. We know what we are. And and, and given that information, Drinkwith can come up with a better plan. I think so too. I, he certainly has a different approach to the media than Barry Odom or Gary Pinkle did. I mean, he, he's straightforward. For he, sure. Yeah, and he, he was asking, you know, like, what do you think about these option plays that aren't working? And he goes, I don't know. I don't know. We're going to have to figure that out. 
I don't feel like that's something you would have ever heard from Barry Odom. I don't know if it's good. I mean, I don't know if you want to have your coach say, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's wrong. I think but what you want is transparency. And yeah, he's, and, and he's, I mean, he's got time. He's got a week to go figure out, like, okay, things aren't working. Let's go write it. Let's well, go find the errors and correct the errors and do something different. And to me, it belies confidence. Like, he doesn't, he's not afraid to tell you because he's not afraid to fail. You know, yeah. like, he believes in himself. It'll be fine. He'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes these coaches, I think, feel, play it close to the vest because they don't want their words used against them. Yeah. You know what I mean? But he's confident he's not going to have to eat his words because he's confident that he's going to succeed. Like I said, I, I'm still on the Drinkwitz boat. Fuck, it's his second game as our coach. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> in a horrible situation. In a horrible situation. And so far, the team has been disappointing, yes, but there are there are reasons for optimism. And We're 0-2, and everybody in the world expected us to be 0-2 right now, <laughs> yeah, so don't get too you know upset. I mean? Yeah, I think, that, I think if anything, he was, a, he was a victim of a little bit having the team look a little too sharp against Alabama. You know what I mean? Like, it's now, now the expectation bar got set way too high, and now we're all having to come back down to earth a little bit. Let's go on to next week's games, Colin. All right. we got a full slate, as we're going to all season long, because we're not going to have many breaks. I do not mind that. Florida will take on Texas A&M. This is going to be in Kyle Field. Florida's number three in the country. Texas A&M is currently 13. That won't last. Predictions, Colin, on Florida A&M. I believe that Florida is going to split open the torso of uh, Texas A&M and suck out the marrow, the of, marrow of their bones mm-hmm. in this game. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I agree with that. I think that Texas A&M is a hoax. You know, Jimbo Fisher had a lot of success at one time, but it's hard for me to believe that somebody named Jimbo can can have continuous success forever. So, uh, Paul, how do you feel about this game? Who do you think is going to win? Florida. Yeah, I think um, all... I, I'm curious to see what the spread is. Well, Florida's offense has been prolific. The Kyle-to-Kyle connection. Kyle Trask. Yeah, I mean, shit. You know, if, if a team can put up 50 points, that, that's a big job to stop that. Yep. And uh, so, but at the same time, Florida hasn't really had to fucking pour it on anybody really good yet. You know, they haven't run into Alabama's defense. No, they haven't. Well, let's see. Next game is South Carolina is headed to Nashville for the South Carolina Vandy game. We don't really care about that one because it's a free win for South Carolina. Vandy, sorry, but you are terrible. Anything to add on that one, Colin? Just that uh, I will must champ. I I was listening to like the Paul Feinbaum show. And they were talking about how Will Muschamp might have lost his job had his buyout not been so big. And they're saying that it may protect him this season, too, because his buyout is really big. And I thought, God, talk about a fucking loser mentality. It's like, sorry, we're not going to fire this guy because it's too expensive to fire him. We'd rather suck. You know what I mean? Like, God damn, you got no boosters that'll fucking buy this cocksucker's contract out? Of course, it's what Missouri does with fucking Conzo Martin. Mm, but mm. Uh, it's like, Jesus Christ, what a fucking loser mentality. Like, we're just going to suffer for a couple years because we paid a lot of money to do it. Yeah, yeah it is. It's like ordering a really bad entree at a restaurant and be like, God, this is the worst fucking steak I've ever eaten. It tastes like a fucking dry dog turd, but I paid for it, so I'm going to eat it all. Yeah. You know, like, what? <laughs> like, no. Well, Colin, I mean, this, I think, is endemic in all of college sports. The buyouts have gotten ridiculously, mm-hmm. obnoxiously big. I mean, there was a time where Arkansas was paying like four coaches at the well, same time. Well, I think time. it makes sense to a certain extent because people can be so reactionary and, and you could lose your job too quickly. You want to make sure that your client, if you're an agent, gets his fair shake at the job. But fuck! You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Oh, I know. I don't how blame many the shit coach. steaks are we going to eat? <laughs> I don't blame the coaches for getting these buyout contracts, but at these universities, they're letting them get off with it and then being saddled with them for yeah. years when they're sick of them. Well, how long did Kansas have to pay fucking Charlie Weiss after they shit canned him? Yeah, forever. I mean, they may still be paying. They, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> All right, Paul. Who do you think is going to win this game? South Carolina. Yeah, that's an obvious one. Okay, we head down to Athens, Georgia, where Tennessee, who we just watched this week, number 21 in the country, is facing the number four Georgia Bulldogs. And I think 2-0 Tennessee is going to face their first loss on the season. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and I don't believe in Garantano, their fucking quarterback. He is... Yeah, we made him look good. We made him look good, but he had all day to throw. I think you put any pressure on this guy, and you are... He's not a good quarterback. No. End of discussion. So I, I think you put you can put a little pressure on him, uh, and Tennessee's got real problems. And that's... And, you know, like I said, Tennessee, as we said earlier in the show, has improved, but their biggest problem is their quarterback. I mean, like, that, I do not believe in him, and I think mm-hmm. the minute a team with a better defensive line than Missouri shows up to their fucking Neyland Stadium, it's going to be trouble for Tennessee. Yep, and, well, Georgia is that team. Georgia. Yeah. Though, we'll say their their receivers looked good, Tennessee, of course. Mm-hmm. Like I said, who's going who's gonna to throw them the ball when there's, you know, when there's pressure in their face? Yeah, and, you know, on Twitter, people were attacking Missouri on all fronts, but I think there's yeah, obviously there were flaws in a lot of areas for this team to have gotten beat as badly as they did, but it all starts on those lines. I mean, it screws mm-hmm. up every part of your offense if your line is if if your quarterback's under duress constantly, and mm-hmm. it screws up all parts of your defense if your linebackers are having to do the job of a linebacker and a defensive lineman every fucking play. Yeah. So it, it's hard to diagnose when the line play is bad. Everything's bad. Mm-hmm. Arkansas coming off of their big win against Mississippi State is coming down to reality now when they go down to Auburn, Alabama to face the War Eagle Bulldogs, whatever they want to call themselves. They've mm-hmm. got multiple mascots and multiple names. Uh, Arkansas is going to get beat. I believe that they're done winning football games. <laughs> I do too. I do too. I mean, uh, I want them to be done winning football games. Obviously, I don't want any Arkansas to have any success. Ed Ogeron was sort of a uh, an anomaly. I was like, God, he's kind of a rube and like a. You know, it's like a, he's a dum dum, and uh, he's having a ton of success. I'm like, and then you look at Arkansas's coach, and boy, they hired themselves a dum dum. No, oh, that guy is a dum dum, but he mm-hmm. just won a game, and I'm like, D- I don't want this dum dum to be really. I mean, like, it's going to blow my mind if you, you can't have these dum dums doing these, these these wonderful things. And then at some point, I'm just going to be like, you know what? Hire us a dum dum, Mizzou. Yeah, well, they've done it before. <laughs> That's for sure. Who's going to win, Paul? Auburn. Okay, now we get to the game Paul really cares about. Alabama is heading to Oxford, Mississippi to take on Ole Miss. Paul, who do you think is going to win this one? Nick Saban. Yeah. Nick Saban. He's not Alabama. Wrong. Ole Miss has been unimpressive in their win. They barely beat Kentucky, and then they uh, they gave up 50-some points to Florida. Alabama presumably is better than Florida in all aspects. They're better than everyone. So this is a what take What are they doing with the quarterback, Brennan? I didn't watch the game. Are they are they mixing it up with both of them? They are mixing it up. Matt Corral got a lot more snaps than Plumley did this time. Plumley did line up not as a quarterback again, so Lane Kiffin's mm-hmm. doing a lot of that kind of stuff. They, they, their offense is – I mean, they scored 42 points. You sure. know what I mean? Like, they're rocking and rolling. They scored 38 against Florida. They scored 42 this week. They'll score against Alabama, but they won't mm-hmm. score enough. They're fun to watch, but uh, Alabama, this is this is your take your medicine game. You know, yeah. everybody's got to take their medicine and play Alabama. And so obviously, this is all. Well, Alabama's got a good offensive line and they got good wide receivers. So at some point, if you can find a guy who can just throw a football, in a, in a reasonably effective way, I feel like they're going to do okay because yeah. he, they, he's going to have so much time and he's going to his wide receiver is going to be so fucking open. That Waddle kid is fucking legit. I yeah. mean, like he he is going to get open. There's nothing anybody can do to stop that. So Colin says Alabama. Obviously, I pick Ole Miss. Sure. And sure. Uh, Paul, who do you think is going to win this one? Alabama. Yeah, you have to sleep in this house, Brendan. That's, that's right. All righty. Then we come to Mississippi State who just got beat by Arkansas. Now they have to go to Lexington, Kentucky to take on the Wildcats. Kentucky's 0-2. A couple close ones, but couldn't get it done. Mississippi State reeling after their loss to Arkansas. This is a game I that would not is, bet on this game. Oh, no. I'm staying away from it myself. Do you have a preference? Oh, not really. I mean, I'm going to say Mississippi State just because I hate Kentucky. Yeah. And I feel like, but, you know, Chris Dorian was so high on Kentucky, and a lot of people are. I just don't feel like I know what either one of these teams are yet. Uh, well, I don't either. We've seen you know bipolar reactions from Mississippi State, beating LSU, then losing to Arkansas. It's hard for me to 
ever bet for a team that just got beat by Arkansas. So I'm going to go ahead and say Kentucky. Paul, what do you think? Mississippi State. Yeah, he's never going to pick anybody in the East. He's certainly never going to pick Kentucky. He's a West man. Yeah. All right, we'll move on to the final game on the docket, which is our beloved Missouri Tigers against LSU in Baton Rouge. It's going to be ugly. Probably is. I'm glad we're playing LSU this year and not last year, but mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. We are not a good football team right now. I know we are not a good football team, but I'm I'm excited to watch Connor Bazelak play. I'm excited about Mizzou football. I can't wait to watch it. You the kid has like? certainly earned a start. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Colin, you mentioned that play where he sort of made... Chicken salad at chicken shit. <laughs> exactly. When he uh, picked up that muffed snap but there's also that play on fourth and one in the third quarter where Mm -hmm. instead of like trying to get one yard on the ground where he like went over his the defenders to get it to his tight end and just absolutely threaded a needle to pick a bigger that was a huge throw and just perfectly big time throws and it took balls to even throw that and one of the throws that he had wasn't necessarily at some big moment but like on the second series he had he threw a fucking laser beam you know 25 yards down the field and then i was just like whoa that was a fucking he's got there's a lot of college kids that don't make that throw like that's you know i saw him throw to the back shoulder the third down and fourth down conversions that he used to tight in both of those throws were put in a place that only his receiver could catch it mm-hmm. well the one thing i'll say about like most of the college completions i see it is they are fucking high school wide open, you know, a lot of times mm-hmm. when they're, they're thrown to a receiver who does not have somebody on them. And those throws were made with somebody on them, you know, and that's one of the things that uh, I remember a lot about Drew Locke is like Emmanuel Hall having seven steps on the guy and Drew Locke's throwing him and he's hitting him in stride and it's a beautiful throw, but it's still easier than throwing in a window when a guy draped on somebody. And that was why, God damn, that's a tough throw. That's an NFL throw, you know. Not that he's an NFL quarterback. I'm yeah. just not saying that. I'm just saying, like, the NFL has to throw people open. That mm. Their quarterback has to be that good. And he threw some people open. Yeah, that's right. And he earned himself a starting spot in this game coming up on Saturday. And you know something I don't think we did last week, Brennan, if we didn't pick a Kirk Farmer's hair player of the game. Oh, God, you're right. I mean, shame on us. But I think this week, if I'm going to give that award out, I don't, you know, Connor's the guy that's going to catch that one. Or maybe Roundtree. Fuck, Roundtree played a good game. Yes, he did. We need that guy. And we mm-hmm. need a baby. So, okay, well, I, I can I can go with that. Paul, who do you think is going to win this game? Do, need I ask? LSU. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you're not wrong. Can't disagree with yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. What are we going to do? Okay. That'll do it for Around the Horn. I am happier than I guess I was before we started this podcast, Colin. It was a, it was an ugly loss. But, you know, we do have to look at this whole thing at the 20,000-foot view and see this season for what it is and what Drink's got to work with. I mean, mm-hmm. he can be the smartest coach in the world, but if he doesn't have the horses, what are you going to do? You know, And these guys, just they're, they're not as talented. They're lower recruits. They haven't had as much time together. All these things to make it like, well, you know what? We're doing what we can with what yeah, we got. I like the scheme. And I like the quarterback. And that's, you know, that's so basically I'm saying right now I like the coach and I like the quarterback. And those are two. That's a good place to start. And Mm -hmm. uh, like I said, I hope we should all hope that Basilak becomes the man because he's a redshirt freshman. That's the you get that guy for some some time. Mm-hmm. That and, yeah, I'm excited about that too. Well, and again, this is an unfair comparison to Connor Basilak, but he looks better starting games right now than Drew Locke looked when he started games. I remember I remember us at the stadium watching Drew Locke make his first start against South Carolina and Drew Locke playing a very serviceable, conservative game plan, but that looked good and did a good job. And we won and got excited. He did not make the throws that Connor made. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like in that start. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I'm not saying it's going to be Drew Locke. I'm not, certainly not saying it's going to be better than Drew Locke. But if you start him at the same spot right now, he looks better, all things being equal. 
Yeah, I think you're right, Colin. And uh, I agree with you. I think Bazelak is is worthy of the player of the game for this week. Although uh, Roundtree is impressive, as he always is, as is Nick Bolton. I mean, all mm-hmm. those guys are impressive. But I'm happy to give it to Bazelak if for no other reason it gets him the start against LSU because we I think we all want to see him start. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we, we're probably going to lose next weekend, but we got a soldier on and tough mm-hmm. this out. Once that's all over with, we're going to maybe get some easier games. We can start breathing and start and see what the future might look like. Until then, M-I-Z. Z-O-U. I gotta take a shit.